0: This is The Law School Show, discovering the person behind the resume, bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Welcome, friends, to The Law School Show. I'm your host today, Ryan Pistorius. As many of you may know, we are run primarily out of the University of Ottawa's Faculty of Law, and we are joined today by a very special guest. Adam Dodek, the Dean of the Common Law Section and Professor of Constitutional Law here at the University of Ottawa. Dean Dodek, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invite.
0: I'm hoping we can start at the beginning. It may seem very intimidating for a lot of our first-year listeners just coming into law school to be hearing from the Dean. Can you tell us about your early life? You know, uh, Where did you grow up? When did you realize that you wanted to be a lawyer? Sure. I'm, I, I'm smiling because... For me, I, I remember
1: what it was like to be a first year law student. Um, I remember what it was like to, uh, to be in law school in the early years of practice um, and the pressure that I felt during that time. So, even though for me that was 20, 25 years ago, uh, I can relate, I think, to, to at least some of the stresses that your listeners uh, are going through. So, for me, I grew up in Vancouver and I grew up in a family where There were no lawyers in the family. Um, I didn't really see what lawyers did other than on TV. And, you know, I grew up reading, uh, reading a lot, reading about lawyers like Clarence Darrow, um, watching the play and then the movie Inherit the Wind, watching uh, L.A. Law, uh, which was really the first uh, first TV show about a law firm. okay. And unfortunately, that's not on Netflix or DVD. so very few people of of your generation have watched it. Ah. <laughs> and of course, uh, to kill a mockingbird. So for me, I you know like uh, like many people who watch suits or you know or other movies, I had the impression of what law was based on popular culture. And to me, law was about justice. Was about social change. Was about helping people, and that's what attracted me to want to go to law school.
0: Fair. So, is that where you anticipated ending up then, in terms of the law? You know, did you think that you would practice in defense work or legal clinic work or or something else related to that social justice element?
1: I really didn't know, um, and there are about ten different things that that I wanted to do whether it was during law school or in the early years after law school. And whether that was, there was a point where I thought I wanted to be uh, an assistant uh, uh, U.S. attorney. Uh, One of the things that that I enjoyed watching was LA, uh, sorry, was uh, Law & Order. And um, I very briefly Very, very briefly wanted to be a securities lawyer. Okay. Uh, But after the grade that I got in the first semester of second year, securities (laughs) regulation and and the rejection letter from the Ontario Securities Commission for a summer job, that was the end of my brief flirtation with (laughs) securities law. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be an appellate lawyer. Um, A different thought briefly about being a a criminal defense lawyer. So all different sorts of things. But I think I was always interested in, uh, in constitutional law. I had studied and learned about uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms as a political science undergraduate at McGill. So for me, that interest in constitutional law was a constant. It took me a long time to figure out how I could whether practice constitutional law or develop a career where constitutional law was a focus.
0: So, you mentioned that um, you read the charter and you'd gotten a little bit of exposure to elements of constitutional law as a political science student at McGill. A lot of students, you know, incoming law students seem to come from the polisci or, or political studies background. Do you think that, you know, politics? Is a good way to get into law, or is it more important to simply take what you're passionate about? Is it kind of overhyped or overamped in that sense?
1: I think the idea of any sort of pre-law education is is overamped or overhyped. I know it's it's a lot more popular in the U.S. than it is, I think, in Canada, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I really think that um, that students should take whatever they're interested in and whatever they're passionate about. And um, I think that that will serve them well uh, as a good base, whatever it is, in law school. And, and that's a message that I always try and give to, um, to the students, because especially students who don't come from a background in history or in, in political science or government, they think that they might be disadvantaged. So I like to tell them about different uh, role models and what they studied um, that have really no connection to that so arguably one of the the greatest u.s. constitutional scholars is a harvard law professor named lawrence tribe and he was a mathematician i love that Uh, a former deputy attorney general of ontario and a lawyer who just retired named mark freiman one of the smartest lawyers i have ever met he was an english professor before he went to law school Uh, bertha wilson i believe studied philosophy, um, before she went to law school. So there, there's no one path to succeed in law school. And I think when you think about that law applies to every area of human behavior, that whatever people do, um, can help them and, uh, provide a basis for law school.
0: One of the things you mentioned there was, um, kind of the, the, the difference between American points of view and Canadian points of view. Now, you actually did your law degree in the States, am I correct? At Harvard. I did. I did. Congratulations, first of all, for that. That's quite impressive. But how did you find that transition between you know, Canadian undergrad to American law, or at least law school, uh, and then back to Canadian legal practice eventually?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, first of all, it was incredibly intimidating. There were 556 students, uh, in my class. Wow. So I think that, you know, whether you're at, uh, at Osgoode or Université de Montréal or us at Ottawa, and we think, you know, we have big classes, say around 250 or 300. For me, I was one of 556 and I knew exactly one person coming in. Wow! And I was, uh, I was at a disadvantage in a number of of respects uh because history and civics uh and constitutionalism is so ingrained in americans in primary education in high school and in in university i didn't have that that background uh, but what i did have was a really really good uh, top flight canadian education uh, at mcgill and um you know i really i drew upon that but you know, I understand and, um, you know, the, the, you know, the feelings of social isolation that I had, especially in, in first year and trying to find myself. So for me, I, you know, I drew upon my Canadian education. Um, I I always wanted to go back to, uh, to Canada. And every year I wrote a letter to the National Committee on Accreditation that at that time was headed up uh, by now my colleague uh, Vern Krishna. Uh, at the University of Ottawa and said, what do I have to do to come back? And and I would get a letter every year saying, well, you've got to send us, a, send us your transcript when you're done, send us a $500 application fee, and we'll tell you what additional courses you have to do. And for me, the prospect of articling uh, and doing extra courses and articling wasn't that attractive after spending, you know, four years of undergraduate, three years of law school. Right. Um, and I wanted to least spend some time in the u.s see see what the opportunities were and i spent uh, so i spent a year i summered in san francisco i spent a year after law school uh on a scholarship in israel and clerking and then came back to to california practiced labor and employment law at a firm in san francisco uh to, for a year and learned that I didn't want to be a labor and employment lawyer <laughs> and then I uh, had a clerkship in Southern California and uh, at 27 decided to come back to Canada. And I had to go through the the process of um, getting accredited and I went to the University of Toronto, uh, did a year of postgraduate of graduate work and did the courses, passed the exams that I needed to do uh, and then to, to qualify. So, uh, I mean, the systems are are very much the same. They're common law systems. So learning, learning contracts and property and torts at Harvard was, um, and criminal law was maybe a little bit more intense (laughs) than, than learning it in Canada, but it was the, you know, it's the same subjects. And so I had that, that basis to be able to, to come back and then learn, you know, learn some of the specific subjects on my own or, or the differences in Canada. And that, that's, that's really true for Canadian law students as well. We, you know, we, we teach the basics of different subjects, but students are never going to be able to learn everything that, that they're going to encounter in practice. And, um, you know, a good education, whether it's at, you know, Ottawa, Osgood, University of Montréal or, or, or Harvard gives students the, the tools that they need to, to learn on their own.
0: So, where do you think the biggest challenge was for you then? Was it that shift to realizing that there was going to be stuff you had to learn on your own? Was it that social isolation and being so far away from home? You know, where did you personally, if I may ask, run up against the most issues in your law school experience?
1: I, in first year, and I think when I look back on three years of law school, I think 80% of my memories are about first year. There are other, you know, I, I can recall, you know, even 25 years ago, I can recall the times that I was called upon in class. I think especially in the, the first couple of months, you know, imposter syndrome, right? Like, I don't belong here. People are using terms, they're talking Latin, like, I don't know <laughs> what they're talking about. I don't understand US federalism. I don't understand this history. Um, how am I going to possibly be able to compete with, uh, with some of these people.
0: I I think that's a, it's, it's a common fear. I think that a lot of first year students that I've spoken to at least also seem to experience. So it doesn't look like much has changed in that respect.
1: No. And, and I think, you know, what I say to, and again, you know, I have a strong affinity for first year students and, and most of my teaching, um, you know, I began my career teaching at U of T and then at Osgoode before coming to Ottawa, um tenure track job in 2008 um at osgood i only i taught a first year course at u of t i taught a first year course for my first three years at ottawa i only taught uh first year i continued to teach first year and even as dean last year uh the only course i taught was first year public law and what i say to students um you know they every student has worked really really hard and succeeded in order to get to law school in Canada. Not necessarily true in the US, but um, the, the the skills that students have and uh, to succeed in order to get into law school will allow them to continue to succeed in law school and hopefully in uh, after law school, whatever they decide to do.
0: I do want to talk about your teaching career, but before we do, I actually want to talk about what you did before that, which is a lot of work in the public service. You held a number of non lawyer or at least non-law firm jobs. Uh, You were director of policy and then chief of staff amongst others for the office of the attorney general. What attracted you to public service when you came back to Canada and how did you find your legal training helped in those positions? Other than obviously the, the fact that you were working for a legal office in the form of the AG.
1: Yeah, I was always interested in government or public service. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, why I came back to Canada from the U.S. Um, and I was interested in, you know, policy and, you know, developing programs, maybe larger, you know, program change um, that, if you know, that affects the legal system um, and, and so I think you know I was always interested in some way in working in government, and I think maybe even from from quite quite a young age growing up in Vancouver. Um, and so when I when I went to work at a law firm um, in Toronto, I worked for uh, for a guy who had taken a leave of absence for four years to be the assistant deputy minister for constitutional affairs during. Meach Lake in Charlottetown, you know, pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, and he said to me, "If you ever get a chance to work in government, to learn how government works, uh, you should do that because it'll be interesting and it will help you whatever you decide to do." And he was absolutely right. And um, so, in two thousand, in the fall of two thousand and three, uh, after the Liberals had been elected in uh, in the provincial election in Ontario. A friend of mine who was, you know, connected to the Liberals said, you know what, if you're interested in working in government, you know, now's the time. They need a lot of, they need political staffers, they need help, um, they need people, and you should apply. And I did that and um, had a number of interviews and got hired by the Attorney General of Ontario, uh, Michael Bryant, as a senior policy advisor, and I was working on civil justice files Uh, working relating to Legal Aid, Law Commission of Ontario, uh, the Human Rights Tribunal, Human Rights Commission, um, pro bono, all sorts of, you know, to me, really interesting stuff. Yeah. Some of which has endured. Um, And then I was promoted to director of policy and oversaw a relatively small policy shop, about three of us working in the area, and then uh, chief of staff. And certainly the, you know, when you ask what are how did that help me or how that would have helped me there's no question had i gone back to the practice of law that the skills i learned in that relatively brief time of three years would have really really helped me to be a much better litigator um than uh, than i had been before and that i probably could have been without that experience because the experience of working in government especially working in politics uh, is very fast paced, requires you to think on your feet, to uh, provide analysis, provide answers uh, in the same way that you, you have to do when you're uh, in court standing before a judge and she asks you, you know, Mr. Pistorius, what do you think about this? Or what about this? And you have to uh, respond immediately. You can't say, well, uh, let me get back to you after the weekend. So I think that really helped me. And it certainly, it really, really helped me in my. Academic career um, to be able to write about government, and uh, and then it's really helped me in my job as
0: dean. I, I see a lot of political activism amongst young people and amongst my classmates as well, which is very inspiring. For those people who are interested potentially in going into public service once they finish their law school careers, what would be one major difference that you would point out between? politics and law and that intersection of legal work in the political sphere that people either may not anticipate or may just catch them off guard initially before they adjust?
1: That's a great question. You know, some, sometimes I say, you know, to students, your question is better than my answer. <laughs> That's a way of I'm trying to buy time. <laughs> but I do have an answer, which is in as as lawyers, we're often analyzing a a. A, a problem and saying, well, you know, here's my best answer to this. There's a strong likelihood of this, um, or there's a weak likelihood of this argument succeeding, etc." We provide legal analysis and, and legal advice to, to clients. Ultimately, you know, the client's decision how to proceed in politics. Often you need to make choices, sometimes stark choices and have a basis for them. You, do, you often... Um, don't necessarily have the luxury of as much analysis on certain issues as you might have um, in different circumstances in law so um, the often in politics you'll hear somebody say to somebody who's legally trained like you know stop being such a lawyer like we need to we need to make a decision on this Um, what should we do Uh, and you know we need to move forward on
0: this so after that experience, where you were working in the public service for a number of years with the Liberal government and the Office of the Attorney General of Ontario, what ended up prompting you to leave and go into teaching? Was that transition sudden? Was it difficult?
1: Well, I had always been interested in teaching, and I had always been interested in writing, and i had I had always uh, i had written articles, law review articles. Um, really, I had my first article published just after law school is an article that I wrote uh, in law school. So for me, the the first 10, 12 years out of law school, I was trying to figure out, do I want to be a lawyer who does some teaching um, or do I want to be a teacher who does some lawyering? And when I left the attorney general's office, I basically said, well, now's the time if if I'm going to be a teacher, if I want to be a professor, you know, this is the window that I have. I probably have, you know, the, the next three years, get my master's, do some more writing and try and get a job. Um, otherwise, it's very hard if you, the longer you practice, um, the, the harder it is then to, to get an entry level uh, teaching job. So I left the attorney general's office with the intention uh with the you know with the plan of going uh going back to u of t finishing my master's and applying uh trying my best to to become uh, a professor and so you know that's what that's what i did for i spent a year at u of t then a year at osgood and those that the experience at those schools uh, i made friends and colleagues for life there um they taught me how to, be, how to be a scholar, how to be a teacher. And uh, I was very fortunate to land the tenure track job at Ottawa in 2008 and moved to Ottawa now uh, 11 years ago.
0: Now, much of that academic work in the past 11 years since you moved to Ottawa has been in constitutional law. Uh, you've written extensively on Canadian constitutional law. You had a Fulbright scholarship to study Israeli constitutional law as a clerk of the Supreme Court of Israel. Was that area of law a natural progression from that stint working in the public service? Or did you know at that point, because you'd enjoyed constitutional law previously, that if you were to teach, you would teach constitutional law? You know, how did you end up kind of specializing into that particular area? Was it part of your master's? It
1: was part of my my master's related to comparative constitutional law. Uh, That I think was, you know, again, the constitutional law is the one constant uh, throughout my career you know, many of the the things that I did, I like to say, like, uh, I was working in the gig economy before there was a gig economy. (laughs) I was bouncing around from one year job to one year job. And at some point, I, you know, I had three clerkships, i worked at a firm for a year, three clerkships, a year of graduate work. So five, five cities, five jobs, five years, which, you know, was a red, you know, back in the day in the early 2000s was a bit of a red flag of this guy can't <laughs> keep a job. Uh, somebody said that to me when I was interviewing for a law firm job. But the, the one constant, um, even before law school, through law school, and then after law school was this continued interest in constitutional law. So for me, constitutional law was uh, was a natural. And I remember when you're interviewing for a job, you sit with the Dean and now I do this and you ask people, well, what, what are you, what are you interested in teaching? What do you want to teach? And we also have teaching needs. Um, and what can you teach? And so for me, and in my application, I would have said, well, you know, I saw constitutional law, public law, constitutional law, one, two, you know, et cetera. Um, along the way I had started to, Uh, and this is a result of a summer job and an inspirational teacher during law school got interested in uh, legal ethics and professional responsibility. So that became another area that I was writing in and and teaching in. And the experience in government really allowed me to understand, to see how, you know, as my mentor had said, to see how government works and um, give me... The experience to be able to write about how how government works, to write about government lawyers, to write about the uh, the role of the attorney general, etc.
0: Yeah, you wrote quite a, a widely shared article discussing the situation with former attorney general Jody Wilson-Raybould. Uh, did you expect that kind of response from law students to actually be so interested in the developments? I, I guess it's it's a benefit of being in Ottawa that we're so close to the political sphere.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm always surprised when, pleasantly surprised, when somebody comes and says, oh, I, you know, I read this article that you wrote, um, and um, I really disagree with it. I'm like, well, that's great. I'm just happy that anyone is reading anything <laughs> that, I, that I'm writing. Um, yeah, I mean, that article got, got wide circulation. And again, the, um, that's the result of sort of 10 years reflection of the three years that I spent working with the Attorney General,
0: so you're now a year and a half into your term as Dean of the Faculty of Law. I won't say first term; I'll just say your your term. <laughs> uh, can you describe what that job actually entails? You know, what do you do on a day to day basis? Are Are you enjoying it? I hope
1: I am. Uh, you know, I, the part that I love the most about it is the institution building. Right, so that's why uh, that's why I was interested in the job. I, I was not in. I was not interested and it never um never applied to be dean at any other school for me it was about i had been a member of the faculty of the community at the university of ottawa um, for i guess nine years and nine nine and a half years and uh i had been given so many opportunities by virtue of being in ottawa especially as a, a public law scholar and just seeing my the incredibly talented students. I'd seen, you know, the strength of our programs in different areas, um, incredibly talented faculty, and the opportunity to lead that group, to promote our students, uh, to promote the faculty. Uh, that's what interested me um, in becoming dean. And that's, you know, what I'm what I'm trying to do.
0: So would you say that that's kind of the most interesting project that you've been working on or are there things from what you're allowed to speak about that you've really, really enjoyed kind of digging into during your past year and a half?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I love um, meeting with alumni, hearing about their experiences at uh, at Ottawa U, hearing about how their uh, legal education prepared them for whatever they um, decided to do. You know, most of them most law graduates become lawyers, but some leave leave the law for other things. And uh, the law is a great foundation. Legal education is a great foundation for, um, you know, for many jobs, many professions. Um, you know, I love you know, program building. I think one of the biggest challenges, and I've talked about this quite, quite openly, one of the biggest priorities is uh, reconciliation and uh, responding to the recommendations of the uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That's a real top priority for me. That's something that I spend a lot of time um, you know, working on. It's hard work. It's not something that you can sort of check off um, and say, okay, well, I've done this, um, and the progress is slow and it's hard to track, but I'm hopeful that in five years, with you know, we'd be able to see, oh, we're doing a lot more, uh, and we're further down the path and reconciliation uh, than we were when we started five years ago.
0: How do you, how do you think a future dean, and whether this is you in the near future or or dean many many years from now, will be able to to kind of judge whether we've made it to the place that we need to be in terms of reconciliation?
1: Again, you know, that's a great, great question, <laughs> you know, and I want to sort of, have, you know, let, uh, let your question sink in. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think just in, in my career and the time that I've been in Ottawa, you know, 11 years, but certainly, you know, looking back now, almost 30 years ago when I started as a political science student at McGill, very little acknowledgement or discussion or programs uh, or courses uh, related to indigenous peoples. So I think that there, or the recognition of the uh, indigenous history of Canada, the role of indigenous peoples in Canada. So I think that there's greater recognition Uh, and you know, I don't know where we'll be in five or 10 years, but I think it will be further ahead than, I hope it'll be, you know, further ahead than where we are now.
0: I hope so too. I, uh, I wanted to ask, how has that transition been from being a professor to being an administrator? Do you miss teaching at all? Are you excited to get back to it when your term as dean does eventually wrap up?
1: I, I absolutely miss teaching. And for me, I mean, there's three aspects to being a professor right? There's teaching, research, and administration. And uh, I love all, all three of those aspects. And for me, I love being in the classroom. I love the connection with students. Uh, advice that I got from previous deans was continue to teach, especially in first year. Uh, that sort of reinforced what I wanted to do anyways. Uh, I do miss the research. I love writing. Uh, but I consciously made a decision to put my research career on hold for five years. Uh, that's tough because, again, I love the research. I'm hoping to do some, some writing in the summer. Uh, but the administration, you know, the job is 150% administration. Uh, and I knew that going into that, uh, going, in, going into it. And again, I'm you know trying to devote my energy to
0: build uh, the strongest law
1: school possible.
0: So, with a focus on administration, separating out that teaching role that you do still have from your work as dean, again, do you think there are benefits to having a legal education with respect to being a university administrator, to fulfilling that role as dean?
1: Oh, that's a that's a great question because I mean, when you look, you look at university administrators across the country, um, a lot of them have uh, were. Lawyer, you know, have legal education, We're law professors, were dean, deans of law, etc., including, you know, our president, uh, uh, Jacques Fremont, uh, who was the dean of law at the Université de Montréal. Uh, and, you know, there's a bunch of other people as well. Uh, you know, famous David Johnson, a former governor general, uh, was my principal at McGill, uh, was a very successful president at the University of Waterloo. So I'm, you know, I'm not sure what it is. I, I think that there's, I think that there's a public aspect to legal education, a public service aspect that propels people uh, with legal education into other um, public aspect or whether it's public aspect roles or public interest roles, whether that's um, in politics, in government, in public administration, universities. Uh, you know, I think for me, more than the the legal education, it was the experience working in government and being um, chief of staff that uh, to the attorney general that's helped me the most uh, in my role as dean.
0: What kind of similarities, or, or more importantly, I guess distinctions, did you see between governance of a university and governance of a province, or even more broadly, just you know, in politics?
1: You know, they're both big bureaucratic institutions, and you need out how to maneuver um, through them in order to get things done. Um, you know, students face that challenge in uh, maneuvering through the bureaucracy of, uh, of a law faculty of a university uh, in order, whether it's course registration or different programs that they're, they're interested in. And so same thing in government and then back in law faculty in the university to try and uh, create programs to try and change different things. Um, And sometimes that uh, sometimes that takes a long time. Sometimes that takes a shorter time. But, you know, figuring out what who the people you need to speak with, uh, what are the approvals that you need uh, to get done? Is there a way to to do things less formally? Uh, to pilot a program rather than to get uh to take you know three years maybe to get formal approval for something so um you know there's a a lot of similarities of the of the skill set that you need um, in order to um to traverse through government and also traverse through big universities
0: one skill Uh, or or I guess characteristic that I would hope people have is related to something that you mentioned earlier, which is that you've written a lot about legal ethics. And I'm wondering, what do you think is the most important or relevant ethical lesson for people in positions of leadership such as yourself?
1: Well, another great question. Um, I mean, (laughs) the more experience that I have, the older that I get, the more I guess I realize the importance of a couple of key things. I mean, integrity is consistent, is, is, is obvious, is important, but shouldn't be overlooked. Um, the other two that I've really come, you know, to realize the importance of are uh, humility and empathy. I, I think we don't talk enough about the importance of humility um, in being a lawyer. Uh, lawyers are, as I've written, uh, lawyers are in positions of great power. It, it's hard for law students to realize that. Um, but even as, uh, as a first-year lawyer, you know, etc., You, a lawyer is a, uh, is a fiduciary, is somebody who others put trust, great, great trust in. They trust their money, they trust their family, they trust uh, their job, um uh their security all sorts of things in and that's a tremendous uh responsibility and always have to remember that that trust should not be abused um and that so i think uh humility is is an incredibly important um attribute for for lawyers um and then also empathy trying to best to, to understand the situation that a student is in A client is in both the particular, uh, you know, the the particular problem that they may have that um, and just the general situation um, that whether law students find themselves in or or particular, uh, you know, particular clients from different backgrounds uh, or particular students from different backgrounds.
0: Some students may come into law school not having necessarily been exposed to people of many different backgrounds. So they might have stayed in the same city, gone to university in that city, lived in one community, which may have been a fairly you know, homogenous community and not have been able to experience different perspectives on life. What do you think is the best way? You know, do you have any advice for students who are, who are trying to broaden their horizons and become better people by engaging with more elements of, of, of the legal society, but also just of society in general?
1: Yeah, I think anything that you can do that that broadens your horizons as um, as a student, whether that's traveling, working with different populations that are different from you. I mean, for me, um, a formative experience for me was working in a legal clinic during law school, uh, working in immigration and refugee division, um, and this was during the right after the uh, genocide in Rwanda. Students, we talk about the genocide now, uh, and it's accepted that it was a genocide. Uh, For political reasons, in the U.S., government did not use the term genocide. And there was a lot of reporting about what was going on. But to be um, 24 years old, as I was, to be sitting across from a uh, a woman from Rwanda, um, whose first language was possibly French, uh, and have her explain to me what her family suffered, um, what went on in Rwanda, I, again, is, was an, um, an, something unimaginable, uh, to me and, um, you know, in other work that I did and uh, did a little bit of immigration work, hearing from clients, from people from different countries about different, Um, different cultures, different experiences, um, you know, taught me a lot. So being open, I think, to learning from your client and learning, learning from people who are different than yourselves.
0: I guess there's a a degree to which you don't know what you don't know as well, right? I mean, where, where you have to kind of put yourself out there in order to even be exposed to experiences that you never imagined could affect you in certain ways.
1: Yes, I think that's right.
0: So my last question for you today is summing up your entire career in terms of working in the public service, working in public and constitutional law, and eventually in university and university administration, particularly for students who are interested in following that general path of of service, of constitutional law applied in governance, wherever that happens to be, what would you tell current or incoming law students who are interested in getting involved in this field or, or following a similar path?
1: That's, you know, that's a hard question. I would say Um, seek out opportunities, talk to people. Um, I've been very fortunate because people were very, very generous to me uh, in terms of their time uh, early in my career. Uh, And I think that's the best part of the profession is that more senior lawyers uh, or practitioners are generous with their time and feel a sense of responsibility to um, to aspiring lawyers, whether those are law students or new graduates. Um, you know, we used to say cold call people, but now you can you can Google people, see see what's uh, what what sort of work people have done or are doing, and reach out to them, ask them if they're willing to to meet with you at their office or for a coffee hear about what they've done and and what advice or opportunities they may suggest for you.
0: That makes sense. And, and I think that was probably the thing I was most pleasantly surprised about when I first came to law school. That you know I thought from this profession that you see on TV is being very aloof and uh, often often quite uh, quite arrogant, quite entitled or exclusive. The reality is actually quite the opposite. It seems to be a very warm and welcoming place that you know we're we're all in this together kind of thing. And senior lawyers have always been very open to providing advice. And it's, it's, you know, it's a beautiful kind of hopeful message for first-year students to realize, but also for all students to remember that, you know, we're not alone in this.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, this, maybe this is a good, good way for me to end as I sort of think about this, that law is a very demanding profession. And there's a lot, uh, uh, a lot of hours, big, big time commitments, but People are very, very generous with their time, whether they're in in private practice, public uh, in working in the public sector or in in other fields, or they've left the law. People are very, very generous with their time. Um, They want to support and help new members of the profession whether that's um, through formal mentoring, informal mentoring. But we have a very, very generous profession, and that does give it a a sense of uh, that unites it as a common community.
0: I think that is indeed a very hopeful message to end on. And, you know, you've shown that generosity by joining us today. So I want to thank you again, Dean Dodak, on behalf of all of our listeners here at The Law School Show for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. And thanks for this initiative.
0: You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career Advancing Advice, right to your earbuds.